Assalamu alaikum everyone, Yasin here. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you guys are having a fantastic wacky Wednesday. <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is a podcast. It's the number one place for Muslim professionals, entrepreneurs, and high performers to learn more about the science of dunya mastery. Today I got a good one on my mind. I really have been thinking about this for a long time and the title of this one is Is Your Qadr the reason why you are unsuccessful or is your qadr the reason why you are broke or is your qadr the reason why you don't have the business and the life that you want and so this is one this is a limiting belief or this is an excuse that i have heard over and over and over from many many muslims over the last 5 10 15 years as i've been working with uh, Muslims and professionals in many capacity is that oh hey you know what maybe it wasn't in my qadr to have xyz oh hey you know what it wasn't in my rizq to have xyz or hey my rizq is written for me and for those of you who guys aren't familiar with these kinds of terms qadr is essentially what you're defining as your fate or your destiny what has been written by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what is going to be in your uh, in your life uh, the other the other one is risk risk basically means your sustenance and it's essentially in Islamic aqidah that whatever our risk is whatever our sustenance whatever our whether that be food whether that be money whatever are the resources that Allah has given us those are written for us right and so there's a lot of hadith that talk about these concepts the other one that is very closely related to this is the concept of ayn or nazar right is basically having envy or jealousy and so it's like oh no i think i might have ayn or nazar and that's why i might not want to put myself out there i might not want to talk about who i am or what i am doing and so these concepts are very very rooted in the islamic and muslim psychology and whenever we start to think about the world or the dunya or we think about uh, monetary achievement or any sort of achievement in general these sort of beliefs start to rise up right and the human mind is such a powerful powerful Allah subhanahu wa has created it to be such a powerful tool that can either work for us or against us and so let me give you an example is many of you might be familiar with the concept of a placebo effect and so a placebo effect is when you take something right and you feel that it is giving you some positive outcome that in reality the object is not doing that it's actually just the mind that is creating that impact because of the uh, tool that you're utilizing. So it's very common in a lot of different studies when they're testing medications They might give somebody a placebo and that placebo would might be you know, like a sugar tablet or something that has literally no Impact because it's literally like a like a tablet of nothing and yet the people who take it end up having better health you know, they start end up having uh, um, effects that are positive as a result of taking this basically sugar tablet and so but, but because the researchers told them that, hey, you know, you take this medication and they told them that it was something else, they start to see these effects. On the opposite side, and many of you guys might not know this, is that there's also a nocebo effect. And the nocebo effect is the opposite of the placebo effect. So whereas the placebo effect is related to the positive 
effects of whatever it is that you're taking. The nocebo effect is the negative effects. And so, for example, you have read the side effects of taking vitamin D supplements, for example. You read the side effects and you're taking vitamin D supplements and then all of a sudden you start to realize, like, oh, you know what? I'm having difficulty with like thinking and I'm having difficulty with, uh, you know, being able to get out of bed the morning and it must be the vitamin D because that was on the side effects list. And that is a nocebo effect. And the way that I always remember it, here's a quick tip for this, is that placebo is P, starts with P, it's positive. Nocebo is N, starts with negative, it's basically negative. And so that's how I remember those two. The reason I'm saying this is because the human mind has the ability to literally have physiological impact off of some things that are not even real. And so in many ways, it is very, very, very important to be able to be hyper aware of what are the reasons that you are feeding your mind, because without you even knowing it, you might actually be causing yourself to be in a state of fear or in a state of not being able to achieve something because of what it is that you're telling yourself. And so in many ways, people think that in many ways, people think that they're, that, uh, like another example of this could be, for example, that, uh, you know, you're, in your mind, you're thinking that uh, behind you, like in your mind, you're thinking that there's, a, there's some kind of animal or some kind of snake or some kind of like spider or something like that. And you psych yourself out when in reality, none of that actually even exists. And so the point being is that when you give the mind an excuse or a reason, it will latch on to that excuse or reason and really just take it home, right? It'll just, go, it'll just go to the moon with it and just start to make up all these stories. And so these are some of the limiting beliefs that I have seen over and over and over again with Muslims is that they talk about Qadr, they talk about Rizq, they talk about Ayn, they talk about Sihar, which means magic. And they, they use these as excuses to be able to justify why they are not doing something or why they were not successful with something. And here's my response to this. At the end of the day, you and I have no perception and no insight into the ghaib. Ghaib, for those of you guys who don't know, means unseen, right? You have no idea what your qadr is. You have no idea what your rizq is. You have no idea if you have ayn or nazar or not. And so the only way that you should proceed is that you should proceed in the dunya as somebody who is, um, who is seeking the asbab, somebody seeking the means at 100% full capacity, regardless of whether or not you know whether or not it's in your risk or qadr or not. And so one of the, there's, there's, a, there's a quote that is attributed to Ali radiallahu anh that says that uh, whether it's, there's a, some weakness in the narration, but it's a good quote regardless, which is that you plan for the dunya as if you're going to live forever and you live as if you're going to die tomorrow. And so I've also noticed this in some of my teachers when I was growing up, was that they would say that, you know, when we work for the dunya, people will see us and they say, wow, this person has never read ahad in his life. He never doesn't even believe in Allah. He doesn't even believe in tawakkul. And then when you do tawakkul and you have ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they look at the person and they say, wow, this person has never ever actually seek, sought the dunya ever before. And so you're always managing between these two ahwal and these two conditions. And so that's why for me and what I tell all the Muslims that I deal with is that when you are working for the dunya, don't even think about rizq and qadr and nazar and ayn and all those kinds of things. 
Now, obviously for Nazar and Ayin, there are certain things that you can do in order to protect yourself, right? But that doesn't mean that in any way, shape or form should prevent you from taking action. Because then in reality, you are using it as an excuse. Another one that I see oftentimes comes up is ikhlas and sincerity, right? Oh, the reason I'm not doing this is because I don't want to seem as though I'm somebody who is arrogant or somebody who is putting myself out there. Again, just giving your brain excuses not to take action. It's very, very frustrating. And in fact, the opposite has been said by a lot of the scholars, which is that if you prevent yourself from doing an action out of fear of not having ikhlas, that in and of itself is arrogance because you think that, oh, this action that I'm about to do is worthy of praise and therefore I might have lack of sincerity because of it. And so my point being is that there's so many ups and downs and so many different angles and ways to look at this. None of these should ever, 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 ever be something that comes to your mind when you're going out there and seeking the dunya. And then when you're in your ibadah, when you're in your state of uh, being a slave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then yes, you can have the humility, right? You can make dua for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you rizq. You can, uh, you can, you can further uh, clarify your ikhlas, you can further clarify your sincerity. But when you are in the, meet, in the mode of taking action for the dunya, don't let these become limiting beliefs and excuses for you. And so this is, some of the, this is one of the most common things that I hear over and over and over again. And so I'm hoping that now I have somewhere to point everyone to to say, hey, you know what? This shouldn't be something that should even come to your mind. Let's go out there and start that business. Let's go out there and talk to those clients. Let's go out there and do what is necessary for us to actually move forward in the dunya. Because by us using these beliefs and these excuses, we are creating an environment where Muslims are being limited. And so let's go out there and crush it. I hope you guys found value in this. If you guys did, let me know in the comments or let me know somewhere else on there. Subscribe to the podcast. Inshallah, I look forward to catching you guys soon on the next one. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.